I'm Abhijat Sarasworth, and this is Fringe Legal, a collection of conversations with innovators on how to put ideas into practice. Each episode is a discussion with a changemaker who shares their ideas, insights, and lessons from their journey. I am excited today to have Kai Jacob as my guest. Kai is the founder and co-chair of the Liquid Legal Institute, which we may refer to LLI throughout this episode. It's a think tank for the transformation of the legal market based out of Munich in Germany. He is also a partner in the legal ops and transformation services at Lots at KPMG Law. And he's been there since 2021. So recently, Akai is involved in various projects and initiatives concerning quite interesting things like agile working in the legal department, help of the legal profession, and the future of legal managed services. We may touch on some of these things today, and he does publish regularly on each of those topics as well. So look at the show notes and you can find a list of everything there. Prior to joining KPMG, Kai was a partner at Deloitte Legal and also spent many years at SAP. So he has had a lot of experience working through legal departments and elsewhere. I'm excited to have him on the show to talk about his experiences as well as the Liquid Legal Institute. Hi, thank you so much for joining me. Let's start right at the beginning of what is the Liquid Legal Institute? So anyone who doesn't know about it or just knows it as a think tank, what does that mean? What do you guys do? Yeah, it all started back in probably 2014, 15, when we first thought about would it be nice to have a little publication on the whole transformation of our legal ecosystem. Really the big questions that were brought up in various conferences. So there was the the start of the liquid legal tech hype back then. And, and people discussed a lot of what the future will bring for us as a profession. And we, we, we saw one thing that on the one hand side, people are, are um, demonstrating on stage how great they are and how they tackle um, very professionally the, the transformation. But on the other side, um, besides the big stages, people shared with us how tough it is, how difficult it sometimes is, how many uh, impediments they face. So we decided to, to create an exchange between people and we, we openly discussed things with people. And then we, whenever it was at, at, at one meeting at, at, at um, SAP in the canteen, the three of us, Roger Strathausen, Dirk Schindler, and I had the idea of creating a book. And uh, while we then set up a call for paper and assembled 30 author teams that described their transformation and their journey, we talked about what could be a suitable title for the book. And one of us, I don't know who, came up with the idea of calling it liquid legal because liquid in the name has something that changes in the, the form of aggregation, something that is very stable, maybe even cold, icy. It changes something that that is liquid, that is liquefied, that that goes where legal is needed. And that was the picture that we had. And really, this meme of liquid legal drove us to do the first publication, which was a great success. Uh, the book was uh, downloaded ten thousand times, and we had a lot of positive feedback. And we even did a conference on top of that. And the conference also showed a very continuous interest in the topics that we raised back then on the digital transformation. So we said, okay, what's the typical next step that we could take? And we had the idea of founding this um, nonprofit think tank as a platform for collaboration, where people meet, come together, exchange what they currently experience and work on things like standards. So that's a very basic story behind the Liquid Legal Institute. We consider ourselves as a collaboration platform of a community of doers. So we like to do stuff. Everything that we tackle, that we focus on, should lead very fast to a result. Not just talking, doing. That's the idea behind. Yeah, we'll get into that because 
that's certainly a pet peeve of mine, which is you can have a lot of discussions, but it does need to move from strategic to tactical at some point. Otherwise, it's it's moot, frankly. And it's funny that you mentioned some of the things that you did. I remember when I first started Fringe Eagle in 2019, the tagline I had come up with at that point was discussing the future of the legal profession because that seemed that that was the hype and the the precipice of everything, what people wanted to talk about, which is where is the profession going? And now it's moved to as of late 2021 around a community for doers. So similar to you, because there is now a need and time for action. I do remember the book and the focus on digital transformation um, from a couple of years ago. I'm, I'm curious, you talked about some of the things that I wanted to dig into, which is you have this as a exchange between people. So collaboration came up a number of times in what you mentioned. How, how do you actually facilitate that? And from what I understand, you certainly have authors and individuals from all over the world contributing and collaborating with you. How do you decide who you work with or who works with you? And how do you actually make those pieces fit together? Even that is a journey and there is a steep learning curve. So we, we started with the idea of having a platform. We organized these exchange meetings where we came together. And then we were growing right fast. And we are now uh, almost 700 members uh, around the globe from different professions. And maybe saying that we are not only focusing on lawyers. We would like to represent everyone who is interested in the field of law and in the transformation of, of our legal ecosystem. So. We have people coming from university or from legal tech background or from alternative service providers or um, the big law firms or in-house legal departments, uh, so whoever has stakes in, in the field. And uh, also from very professional backgrounds. So besides lawyers, we have designers, we have uh, data scientists, we have uh, techies, uh, we have entrepreneurs. So this gives us a pretty heterogeneous con community, I would say. And now how to organize uh, actual work. So we have came up with a um, pretty smart uh, process that starts with all members are allowed to propose new projects. And we have a project request form that's filled out on, on Power Automate. And then it, it goes to approval cycles. And once it's approved, because it fits to our overall goals, it is then facilitated. That means that we set up a, a channel for that. and. Sometimes it's a private channel, but 99% are public channels on MS Teams. So we have our own MS Teams environment. And then we invite people proactively and say, look, this is something of interest for you. Everyone can see everything. So we are completely transparent. We are open source. Whatever fits on GitHub goes on GitHub. So we are super transparent. But we still urge people to maybe look into something and then become member of this or the other project. And this works quite nice. And once we have this team together, we do a kickoff and then we say, look, we need somebody who leads this effort, maybe somebody who sponsors this effort. Yeah. And get a little bit of financial bandwidth to the team. And then the team decides itself, what could be a suitable result of our work? And in the beginning, it was more or less an open exchange, learning from each other, changing ideas. But then we, we needed something that people could also take with them. And first we thought, okay, doing something on, on paper and printing something is so analog and so yesterday that we fought our, with ourselves that this, this is the right way to go. But having then these little papers and booklets that we now create in the hands is such an achievement, just an enjoyment that people uh, really bought into the concept. And now all our projects do, I don't know, sometimes a web page here, sometimes a seminar, sometimes a slide deck, but oftentimes a real publication. And that spans from a, a little tiny booklet of 20 pages to over hundred pages. And this is the result. And now we have even projects that 
that go through the second or third phase where people build on what the first team does and create even more output. So this is the way we work, super transparent, where it can involve itself. Sometimes people are just reading yeah, and most of the people are actively engaged. And we, by the way, call it duocracy. So whoever does something leads. Uh, yeah, no, I, I love that. And I like the idea that anyone can propose things and it could lead to something substantive. I, I think there's a tech company out there and one of the listeners hopefully can tell me who it is uh, because I'm blanking on the name that has a very similar structure whereby anyone can actually put their hand up in the organization to suggest an idea. And as long as they can find a working team to also put their hand up. So let's say they want to add a new feature to the software, they suggest a feature. And as long as they can find someone who is a designer and a developer, they go together and they can work on that. And a similar layout to you, I think they use Slack. There is a Slack channel that gets set up so everyone else can participate and observe if they wish to, and then get involved. But that becomes a group that leads to a success. And what I liked about what you were saying is how there is a defined output of some kind, uh, whether it's a booklet or a full book or something more. And it's not just a, you've started something and this is the end stage. It can be continuous, which of course, depending on the topic, it probably does need to be, right? It's not that you're going to be able to solve all the world's problem in a short sprint of six months or whatever it may be. That's really cool. The segue for me is I looked on the website, which is really cool. So anyone who hasn't visited it, do visit it. It's a very interactive website. And the tagline you have on there is let's design the future, just bold. But what does that mean? What to you is needed in the future. So from an idea perspective, from a framework's perspective, I know that you have certain working groups set up. I don't want to read too much into it. If that's what you think it need, needs to be designed better or created for the future or is something else. There are different reasons for using this tagline. I think one is that we come and we were born in an age of this whole focus on legal tech. It, it was really a hype back then. Everyone was talking about legal tech. So you had to deal somehow with tech. Yeah. And what is tech and, and tech leads to software development and the software development space is so focused back then and still is on, on design. It's so important to really have a, a user centric, uh, approach where you start with a user needs first. And we have one of our founding members, Asa Kohlmeier, and she really brought this legal design thinking that Margaret Hagen invented in, in, at the Codex in Stanford to Germany and uh, slowed us down whenever we said, okay, let's build something, let's do something. She said, no, let's first think and ask a couple of why questions. Yeah. And one example is our ultimate goal of our Liquid Legal Institute is to create something we call the common legal platform. So the holy grail of the legal world where, where standards are set, where services are offers, where, where, where you have um, standard API, standard, standard whatever. And uh, this common legal platform was something that's really driving us and motivating us. And uh, we said, okay, let's build it back in, I don't know, 2018. And Asfod said, no, let's first do a little design sprint. And we go, went to the Hasselblattner Institute, which is the, the, the design think tank of Germany and con conducted a workshop together with uh, two teams of 10 um, um, students from this, from this institute. And they helped us really to nail down the question on why is the legal market not collaborating? And it was a very interesting question because we thought we all sharing, 
we, we all do this together. We, we have this concept of co-opetition. Why not even with competitors working together on something, setting standards? And the answer was no, there is some interest in the legal market to cooperate. Why should we, right? We're all making good money with this, this private wisdom that we have and built up over time. So why should we share? And, and we ourselves believe that without sharing, without creating true standards in the market, it will take ages to go through this digital transformation. So that's why we, we still stick to the idea of doing all this combination to do all this community work, but we do it in an approach that is really close to the design thinking that we learned from those experts back then. And that's why we design the future. That doesn't mean that we have all the ultimate answers, but we ask all the right questions. I love that Astrid was slowing you down, but sometimes you do need to go slow to go fast eventually. And that's very important. And I'm just looking through a lot of the resources you've posted under the, I guess, the working group of the common legal platform. It's an ambitious thing. And the question is so important, which is why doesn't this happen already? Uh, because there are plenty of benefits of it. The biggest one being if you do end up working together, you do have a common platform and you grow the size of the pie that everyone participates in. Right now, you're just trying to steal one slice from someone else. But of course, all of those things sometimes are a lot easier to think through when you don't think about individual companies and profit making and everything else. That tends to get in the way of trying to do something that may have bigger returns longer term. But I think, yeah, that, that's really, really interesting and good to have the context. I know that's probably going to be a thing that um, you continue to work on. And I know you have a pretty active channel on GitHub. Um, not really sure what the terminology is there, but that's certainly one that I track. Okay. I know you personally, you noted that you're quite, let's say passionate, my words, uh, about the health of the legal profession. I know that there is a a uh, key topic um, on certainly the site as well as other other places around lawyer well-being. How important do you think that is? And I'm saying lawyer well-being, you can replace lawyer with legal professional well-being. And I think same impact, but yeah, talk to me a little bit more around how does all of that happen? Because I see, you know, in a very simplified way, I think there is the professional dilemma of how do we actually provide a better service to the end clients, uh, whoever that is for you, whether it's that you're working with individuals, you're working with businesses. And then the second thing is, how do you provide a better experience for those delivering those services today? And certainly at the larger law end of the market, that's a big problem. I think it's a problem everywhere, but certainly it's a more pronounced problem at the larger end of the market or maybe more publicized problem. How does that all fit in? And is that why you're tackling it to be able to help enhance that service or something that you felt through yourself? And so it's more personal. Yeah, as you rightfully said, this is a wide spectrum of, of things that you need to consider while talking about this huge topic of lawyer well-being. And I like the term professional well-being. It's even more accurate. The, the thing is that we see that people are really struggling with this digital transformation in a way that they first don't understand exactly why this is all happening. They're missing this digital mindset. The idea that digital transformation is something very positive. And they do not get the link back to legal because what we did is something that's very handcrafted. That's something that relies on, on very special knowledge. Uh, we, we do a perfect job on doing a perfect, beautiful contract that nobody else understands. We, we see beauty in it. Yeah. And we, we see our role in protecting our company and defending our companies and defending our interests. That's all fair. It's just that the other side 
reads it, does understand it, and has a very bad feeling, yeah, back to design. So uh, the, the additional aspect to that is we need to get more out of this dormant contract that sits somewhere and is archived uh, in a file cabinet and, and make this valuable information accessible for the digital company that we are working in. And, and, and this is the whole this, the whole idea of digital transformation is to make information accessible that sits somewhere in an unstructured format, deep in contract. That's why we're doing all the things. So tell people the big why, explain them why digital transformation is something super positive and we have to contribute here, else we miss a huge opportunity for our profession to really sit on the C-suite table and contribute to the overall goals of the enterprise. Second, everything moves so fast. So we are overwhelmed with the speed of change and we need to understand that change is a constant and it will never go back to a slow motion mode. It will not happen. It will be fast. So we need to learn how to become adaptable. Call it agile, call it whatever, but we need to adapt fast to a changing world. So this is the second thing that we need to learn. Call it the mindset or a skill or a competence, but we need first to understand what is digital, second, um, how to deal with that in an agile working mode, because in the end, it's us doing the job. It's us as humans that are overburdened with the day work. So the job before wasn't easy, right? But on top comes down digital transformation plus agile working. So we are overwhelmed and we are sometimes tired. And, and also it's getting more and more difficult to get the new generation of lawyer being really inspired by the job and say, is it really what I want to do? Work, work, I don't know, 12, 14 hours and make good money, but still have all this pressure on my shoulder, have, I don't know, this very specific hand-tailored work that I have to do all the time. Is this really what I want to do? So in this combination, people are, I don't know, get sick and uh, there's a definition on, on well-being spans from sleeplessness to, I don't know, stress and, and burnouts. Our approach encompasses all and places that human front and center and said, okay, the human first, if you don't care for our workforce, we will not succeed in this transformation. And uh, that's why we did a research and talking to someone in the US is maybe a funny approach for you because you discussed this topic for decades. Now you also have this whole, the whole discussion on, on this uh, huge depth that you have starting your career that we don't have in Germany as such. Um, but still we have the same symptoms. We have the same uh, problems uh, in our workforce. And uh, we want to, to bring this on the center stage and take it out of the taboo zone and push a, a spotlight on it. Yeah. So we first did a research project. We looked into the America's uh, market. We looked into UK, what they are doing, and then said, what's the status in Germany? And, and it was quite untapped a topic in, in Germany. So we started our own research. We started an own study. We have now all the data. And from there, we started working groups and just uh, last week brought out a book on pen, 10 pages on the status of lawyer being in Germany. And from here, we start a whole lot of, of new uh, initiatives and have plans how to really tackle the situation in Germany. But this is the, the, the reasons why we're so focused on lawyer well-being. So it's, it has a recruitment aspect and has an, an, an anti-fluctuation aspect. Yeah. So that's that's incentive on, on the team. Yeah, that will continue as a trend right now, of course, and we're recording this in at, just at the end of April, 2022. I think if you are looking to employ anyone, in fact, the, any professional services sector, you're probably feeling the pain of that. The cost of employment is much higher. Uh, the amount of time it takes on board and train is significantly longer, and you need to do a lot more to really have people 
excited to join your organization. Now people more than ever, I, I feel at least, want to be inspired. They care about where they work. It's not generally who's going to pay me the most. Don't get me wrong, that certainly has an impact, especially when you know all else being equal, that probably has the biggest impact. But people do want to be able to think about, if I take this, yes, you're paying me ridiculous sums of money, but usually at a cost. If you're working 18 hours a day for the next 52 weeks, it's not, it's not worth it for everyone. And they do take it seriously. And if you're just entering the profession, it seems very compelling until two, three months in, you realize what you're in for and people change their minds. And I think a lot of the friends and uh, people I've spoken to who were at, in practice, who worked in firms are leaving firms and they've worked tremendously hard to get there, but they're going to do other things. So within the legal profession, just because it's more fulfilling. And I think that's taken for granted uh, a lot of the times, but something that you touched on is how do we take a lot of this dormant information, this digital transformation initiative? It's also about not having this information into just one person's brain and they become the single point of failure uh, from an organization uh, perspective, but also not having that individual just be someone who can't pass on the knowledge, not because they don't want to, but because it's really difficult to, right? You have, if you've been doing something for a period of time, it's difficult for you to put yourself in the beginner's shoes and really break down the building blocks into the simplest things and say, hey, this is what you need to know if you are just getting started, not just take a lot of this stuff for granted and just make assumptions. Excellent points uh, that, that you're making, starting, starting with the last thought on how to bring people up to speed and how to onboard people in future. We have one project that deals with competencies and skills of the future lawyer and the current lawyers, because <laughs> there's still something to learn. But there's also one group that's called the Scrum Master Roundtable. It's not that we all have a Scrum certified uh, program conducted, but still we consider ourselves as those that do the, the agile working with the teams and leading the, the Scrum teams and so forth. And this Scrum Master Roundtable exchanges openly about this question. Just yesterday, we, we discussed this question on whether we can use a little Kanban board to onboard people and, and, and set a backlog of tasks for the onboarding and simply say, okay, these are the sequence of things that you should do. And then you create your own sprint and then you move things forward. And you have this happy feeling of, of checking the boxes of things that you have done. And uh, whenever you have questions, you just do an ad mention, you, you contact this or this person, the expert are here, leave a question. Whenever I have time, I will answer the question in your environment. And in the end, uh, this solves the other problem that you mentioned. It creates a flow of information back and forth in the systems and whatever is in system is digitally available so we can reuse it. So I, I will not start on creating a Wikipedia page, uh, well-structured on how to onboard a new person or the whole knowledge of my legal department, but rather I would focus on getting all the transaction, everything that we do on a daily basis, on a Kanban board, have a structured approach, create the teams, and then have the information flow and have your dailies where you exchange with your peers on what, what, what you're working on, what's in the way and, and so forth. So the, the whole methodology of working agile. And with that, you talk about things and then you come across either obstacles. And uh, why didn't you say that? Somebody else raised their hand and said, I had this thing yesterday. I solved it this in this way. Let's take this offline discuss afterwards. 
So this is completely new to the legal field where we are trained and lift or crew up as lone wolves. And it was our responsibility to solve this case. Yeah. Tackle it until it's finally closed in highest possible quality. And then you spend sleepless nights on thinking, have I considered everything? Is there something flawed? Is there something not considered? And this makes you sick. Yeah. While if you tackle everything that you need to do as a small team, you always backed up. Yeah. And you can peer people and bring a junior and a senior together or people from different, these cross-functional teams with diverse backgrounds together in one team and say, let's team do it. Yeah. This is yeah. the task. I don't tell you how to do it. Maybe I roughly tell you when to do it yourself, yeah. feel empowered, do it. And this is a completely new way of work that is very human because we humanly to, I don't hunt in tribes, yeah, collect in tribes. So we, we, we used to do everything in, in a community and now the lawyers are forced to work in isolation and keep their knowledge to themselves to sell it a second time next time. So this is something where, where the system is broken and where we need to change something from the very fundament. And this is what we're up to. Two thoughts on that. One is that the Kanban idea is great because, and pun absolutely in, intended, it makes it liquid and you get to have that, the really constant of, great, a person A has gone through the onboarding, they make changes, they add suggestions, maybe they do all of these app mentions. Version two for the next person is going to be that much better because you learn from the blind spots you had from someone who is going through the process. And it's so much quicker rather than printing something out, putting in a binder and then going through a committee to adjust something who isn't going through the process anyway. So they have, they will never have that blind spot. And the second thing you talked around, you, you talked about being able to hunt in tribes and sitting there and working individually. I think that's such an important point and one that continues to develop because this is a mindset shift for a lot of professionals where you are selling a very bespoke service. You are selling something that it's taken you, I don't know, a decade, two decades to, to gather. And you put the value on how long it took for you to find out the answer rather than the fact that you're actually solving someone's problem, right? That's the real value. It doesn't matter if it took you 10 years to figure that out or 10 minutes, the person is probably okay if you can solve their problem and it saves them millions, they're probably okay paying you the same either way. And we see this broadly as there's a creator economy, there's a build in public movement where people are sharing openly what they're doing, flaws and all, and that allows them to crowdsource things that they can't think of. And guess what? Most of those individuals are getting more business rather than less because they're able to use that as a way to market their skill set. because you're able to market to one, two, three people who are a few steps behind you to come to you and say, Hey, that was great. I'm just getting started here. Can I learn from you? And also you recognize who's in front of you. So you can ask for the help the same way. But this requires that you're deeply embedded as a consultant, as a lawyer in the processes and in the thinking and the mindset of your customer. And if you own engage through, I know for a very specific, specific legal question where they need your legal advice and your expertise on, that's one thing. And uh, this is uh, maybe the, the five to 10% uh, area, but the 90% is really going deep into this solution building it that you described uh, rightfully, where we need to understand how that, how, how this customer really functions. And uh, it's not that you, I don't know, do fixes with your customers to understand more. We consider a need for being completely embedded 
That means that you have, I know your own email address, you have access to their systems. You are part of their scrum teams. You're seeing the same Kanban board, maybe some limitations. Yeah. But once you reach this level of, of closeness to your customer, you can support in a complete different way. And, and then we have also just a discussion on what's the value of the contribution of the outside um, uh, royals on this internal work. Yeah, because this is then maybe fair not to be paid by this super high hours, uh, hourly rates that we have, because now we, we're working on a constant, right? On, on, on uh, projects that maybe last for, for months and years, instead of just going in and provide a very complex opinion on something. And this will change the market over time, but it needs um, us also reconsider the way we, we do our business and how we, how we also measure the performance of our employees. It's, it's less than by the billable hour. Yeah. It's more by the value we create on the customer side. Yeah, absolutely. And it changes the entire market e economics on it, which of course will take some time for it to be accepted. And then of course, everything else will be adjusted. I'm excited though. There is progress being made and there's actually, there's a lot of new types of firms and the use of word firms very loosely businesses, let's just call them that are coming up, that are challenging it and they're finding success, which is the most important thing. I can keep talking to you for hours still, but I'm conscious of time. So let's start wrapping up. We discussed at the outset that one of the things that you're looking to accomplish is to inspire doers. So as we, let's have that in the back of our mind, we already had one idea, which I loved around the Kanban board, which could be applied to not just onboarding, but other places, which I hope listeners will steal and apply to whatever they're working on. Outside of that, if people want to find out a bit more information, and if there is one ask of the audience from you, what would that be? Yeah, make yourself uh, comfortable with our webpage and uh, go through the working groups. So uh, we have structured the working groups in five parts. So we're dealing with standardization topics and, and really take this as a very broad term. Everything can be standardized. Just try it out. Uh, new methods, methodologies. So agile design thinking is just, I don't know, top of the iceberg. There's, there's more to come and more to learn. Um, the next is digitalization. So learning to deal with new business models. So there, there's so much new coming up that we're not aware of. Take the automotive world, uh, what happened with self-driving cars and all the new regulations that come up or uh, with supply chains. Uh, and this, there's so much things that we really need to understand how we can support processes and futures of digitalization. And uh, the fourth is education. So with a lot of things that we do, we also try to reach the new generation and really go into universities and help to, to maybe add value to the current curriculums. We cannot change the entire world, but we can maybe add a class on digitalization and new thinking legal or whatever. Yeah. And the very last is material law. We also would like to support in, in creating better laws of the future that can directly be applied in, in our legal tech environments. So these are the, the working groups. So if you're on the webpage, just browse to the various uh, projects. You see everything is public. There are always a link. You can get a PDF version of all our publications, but you can still order books. Then it's there's a little, there's a little price tag on it. Yeah. But still we, we have cost. we are non non-profit, as I said, and uh, the only commercial model that we have is this membership fee, which is super low. So th that's how we, that's how we run our entire organization. And yeah, we're happy for every new member that joins us and, and gets on board to our, to our endeavor to design the future of law. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on the show, Kai, and we'll be watching the space to see how you develop and design the future of law. Thanks, Evan. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as I did recording it. 
Before you go, if you like the show, then I know you'll love the French Legal Newsletter. It's full of interviews, articles, and reports to help legal innovators like yourself learn how to put ideas into practice and find success. You can sign up for free at fringelegal.com. This show was produced for Fringe Legal by Abhijat Saraswath. A special thanks to our guest. And if you enjoyed the conversation, you can help me out by giving this podcast a five-star review and click that follow or subscribe button on your favorite podcast player of choice. Until next time, stay well.